0: Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Previously on buckets, boards, and blocks,
2: Elton Brand and both head coach Brett Brown have said that the Eastern Conference finals are the goal. That is the goal. Get there, win that. That's the goal. Now, Brett Brown, he's been under so much fire. He, he gets the worst of it. And sometimes, I look at him and say there are things that he could do better, and sometimes it's the player's fault. It really is. He can't make a player hit a shot. He, you know, he's dealing with Ben Simmons, not feeling comfortable enough to shoot jumpers. So if the the Sixers come short of their goal, what the feeling around the center, the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, is that Brett Brown will not have a job.
1: Crystal Rich of NBC Sports Philadelphia, the Sixers outsider, dropping some knowledge there. It would seem, based on her intel, that Brett Brown's seat might be getting a little bit hot as these playoffs continue. We're getting into more playoff conversation. Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards & Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Welcome into this week's episode of Buckets, Boards and Blocks. So much to get to in the association in regards to the playoffs, but we're going to spotlight Boston. I'm excited to welcome in Sherrod Blakely of NBC Sports Boston. Sherrod, thanks for joining us.
2: Glad to be here, glad to be here.
1: Okay, I wanna go to a piece that you wrote and just recap this one little graph that I thought was fantastic. We start with a quote from Marcus Morris. Basically, we just tell ourselves, keep going, man, Morris said at the time. Everybody is going to doubt us because of the year we had. But when the playoffs hit, it's basically a new season. We still have a turning this thing around. We're excited, man. Probably two years from now, they'll do a 30-for-30 on this team. He's right, but it probably won't be for the reasons he's thinking. So, Sherrod, I love that graph. What would a 30-for-30 say right now? What if I told you what?
2: It would say the team that could have been great – Fell way, way short. They would fall right now. This Celtics team would fall under the category of teams that were built to win, but for whatever reasons, did nothing but lose and and just fell fall short of the expectations that their talent suggested they should have been able to accomplish. This is a team that, when you look at their roster last year, they got all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then the following year, you add not one but two All Stars to the mix, and Kyrie Irving and gordon hayward and not only do you not take that next step forward you are actually regressing in terms of how deep you go into the postseason this season has been uh far from the dream-like season that they anticipate it's been a nightmare on so many levels and that nightmare unfortunately for them is about to come to an end uh, because the milwaukee bucks they look they, they see the other side of of, of this this thing uh, with the celtics the they're going to put them away. They're going to put them away in five. Ooh,
1: wow. Period. Full stop. Okay, so let's rewind. There's so many theories on why things haven't worked, and you're in the locker room. You're fortunate to be there. I think the first thing that we heard this season was the return of the two All-Stars. Has this season been an example of less being more in that the young guys that were able to surprise and have success last year I mean, you, you can't not play Kyrie. Like how, where are you placing the blame? Is this Brad Stevens in terms of juggling? Is this Kyrie and Gordon taking too much of the shine? Where do you even start with the
2: blame? I think that there's there's a lot of blame pie to go around with this team. I mean, players, coaches, you know, the organization, there's plenty of that. But I think their bigger issue, uh, not so much less is more, but more of the just the opposite of that more is less and by that I simply mean that those guys that played last year went deep into the playoffs they got a taste of postseason success and when you add a Gordon Hayward when you add a Kyrie Irving back into the mix those guys were asked to basically take less um, of the shine that they earned by what they did a year ago and normally you can get away with that if you've got a veteran team but When you're telling a young Terry Rogier, a young Jason Tatum, a young Jalen Brown that, yep, we know you did you did you balled out last year, you got all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now we need you to play a different role, a less significant role than you had a year ago. And while those players may tell themselves, Oh yeah, I can do that, reality tells you a different story because when you're out there on the court and you know what you can do, you're gonna try to do it and sometimes that does not necessarily work. Within the framework of the team, and then as as you pointed out, when you add a Gordon Hayward who was a shell of himself at the beginning of the season and has kind of progressively gotten better, and then you add Kyrie Irving who is a very ball dominant player and justifiably so because he's he's crazy sick with the handle uh, when it comes to getting his shot, um, regardless of what teams do defensively. That's a whole lot of stuff to juggle, and then you're talking about a head coach and Brad Stevens who has always been at his best when he has to basically put a team together whose collective parts are better than their individual ones. And this team is just the opposite of that. Tatum is a great ISO type player. Jalen Brown, I think, can be a very good ISO player. Kyrie Irving, great ball-dominant, one-on-one, take-it-to-the-rack type player. Having those guys in a system that is so dependent on ball movement, it's, be, it's created a lot of challenges for Brad Stevens and, and the team as a whole, and that's why we saw such up-and-down play, but it seemed that they finally have figured out how to play the kind of basketball that Brad Stevens wants and still be successful, but then you, you get Marcus Smart who gets hurt, um, and Marcus Smart's ability to be a playmaker, more so than his defense, allowed that offense and defense to run efficiently. Um, so they've had a lot of different issues, a lot of different challenges that, because of their youth um, has made it very difficult for, I I think the Celtics to really get the kind of traction that they need, because those guys, they just don't have the experience uh, to really understand and handle all the different things that are coming at them at once.
1: It's okay. Fantastic point. Obviously you're up close with this, but is it not being basketball players, right? Jason Tatum comes from a renowned program. Jalen Brown has proven that he has a quality basketball IQ. I would say the same of Terry Rozier. Yes, I understand why it would be such a challenge, but I, I want to chalk it up to all being basketball, and and you would fall into a rhythm. Like, no, does that make sense? You,
2: it, it makes sense. It makes sense, Monica. But the thing that, and and you know this when when you've been the best player on your team forever and a day, um, you. There's a certain swagger that you have. There's a certain confidence that you bring to the floor. And when you're out there, you want to show that. And I think those guys have tried to kind of hold back a little bit and, and try to do what they think is best for the team. But the problem with that is they spend way, they've spent way more time this season kind of watching Kyrie Irving do his thing rather than being an active participant because they're not really sure exactly how much can they contribute or how should they contribute. You look at a guy like Jalen Brown, for example, who I think is a really good straight-line driver, great corner ball, three-point shooter. And there was this period of time where he wasn't really looking for those things. He was just trying to do whatever the coaches asked him to do, and that was be a defender. But the problem for Jalen was he's a pretty good scorer too. I mean, people forget. Only one guy on the team averaged more points than him last year, and that was Kyrie Irving. So he knows this, He and he worked on his game to become more of an offensive threat and to get to camp and then find out, well, we know you can get buckets. We know that. But we need you to do this defensive thing first. And him trying to find that balance between the two has been difficult. And Tatum yeah. in playoff was like the – I thought it was their best player a year ago, and for him – it's been a really tough challenge for him to kind of play what I like to call the Scottie Pippen role, where you are an elite player, but you know there's a, better, a bigger, bad dude do player with you. Um, figuring out how to be effective in that, that sidekick role, if you will, that's something that Tatum has struggled with. And, you know, Terry Rogier, you know, his biggest issue has is, is just been mental. I mean, he, he's allowed the fact that he's playing fewer minutes to affect him being impactful in those minutes, and that, that's more on him. Um, but the bottom line is this. They got a lot of talent that is just not playing up to its its potential. And that is why this team is going to be going home very, very soon. Okay. We are
1: taping this pod, recording this pod, rather, before game five. Is it time, Sherrod?
2: Oh, yeah. It's a wrap. It's a oh. wrap. I mean, get your Sunday best on because with the, the funeral procession begins in a few hours. Uh, it's over the, the Celtics. Even if they find some way to win game five, which I don't think they will, they're, they're not going to win this series. Uh, they this Milwaukee team is too talented. They're too focused. And frankly, they've got just too big a cushion to give this thing up now. Uh, and the Celtics have shown no signs of being able to put together enough runs, uh, consistently enough to beat this team. Uh, and I go back to Kyrie Irving, who again, we, we all agree is one of the best players in the NBA. And the one thing that all players in the NBA want to do is get as many open slash uncontested shots as they can. And Kyrie has done that. In fact, you know, 45% of his shots have been open or uncontested. But here's the problem. Those open and uncontested shots, he's only making like 28% of them. 28% of his uncontested shots have gone down in this series. And that is just absolutely inexcusable for a player of his talent his pedigree and that more than anything else is why this team is is in this 3-1 hole because if he shot about 50 percent which is which is pretty that's pretty standard for an NBA player uh to shoot wide open shots at a minimum this series is tied up at 2-2 wow this is woo
1: man this, man, this is tricky. So then, is Kyrie's performance the biggest difference from game one in which the Celtic great Paul Pierce was ready to call this series
2: over? Yeah, because, I mean, and the point that I was just making about his contested shots, he's only had one game in this series where he has shot at least 50% or better on uncontested shots. And you know what game that was, game one. So clearly, that has been one of the factors that, that has led this team to being in this 3-1 hole, and frankly, I think it's the biggest factor because this Celtics team this season has been one in which they've allowed their offense to dictate their defense. And and to some degree, you can kind of understand that because if you're making shots, the other team is taking the ball out of bounds and they're seeing a set defense that they've got to deal with. Celtics have been great when they're in that scenario, but if they're not making shots, their transition defense – Hasn't been nearly as good as it as it can be, and credit Giannis Antetokounmpo for that because he's a hell of a player in transition. Um, but he's also got teammates who are making plays in transition as well, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, uh, just to name a couple. And so the Celtics, again, their inability to make shots, Kyrie's inability specifically to make open shots, has been a it's had a domino effect on this team. And once again, it is a major, major factor in them being in this 3-1 this series deficit.
1: All right, Sherrod, so call me a radical and I get that the NBA- Radical. It, okay, fine. It is <laughs> The NBA is not your local AAU tournament. However, Kyrie's thinking up the joint,
2: sit him. That works in theory. It's not working when that player that, that we're talking about is a, an impending a free agent. And he has sent very mixed messages about whether you he, he want to resign. This is the thing about, about Kyrie Irving. There's, there's no question that the Celtics, you know, want him back. That, that is it's without question. And Kyrie has sent very mixed messages about whether he wants to come back. You know, in October, he said, you know, I'll, I'll if you have me back, I'll resign. And then, you know, a few weeks later, he says, well, talk to me back on July 1st. And if you're the Celtics, you're trying to create, I think, as much of an environment and atmosphere that he wants to be a part of. And I think sitting him, uh, I don't think that will go over well with Kyrie's camp. Now, you and I know that that's how it should be. But here's the problem with that, though. You don't have anybody that you could throw in there who can do better, and that's to be. That's why I, go, I come back to Terry Rozier. If Rozier were playing better, you could make that argument. You could just say, well, you know what, Kyrie, he's not making shots. Terry, he's coming in here. He's only playing 10 ten, fifteen minutes, but he's making an impact. Give him more minutes. That's how you could make that argument. But the problem is, no one is filling that void that Kyrie is leaving by his inability to make shots. And so, if you're Brad Stevens, it's like, why should I, you know? get on get in the crosshairs of Kyrie and bench him when I don't have a better alternative to throw out there and so to me that's why this season yes Kyrie is a major factor in this team's success and their struggles but other guys have not figured out how to impact the game knowing that the leader is, is off his game because M- Milwaukee is a great example of how you're supposed to do it in game four Giannis Antetokounmpo picked up four fouls with about eight minutes to play in the third quarter. Chris Middleton, like 61 seconds later, picked up his fourth foul. Both of those guys spent six-plus minutes on the bench. When they went to the bench, Boston was up by three. By the time the quarter ended, Milwaukee was up by eight. That, That is how it's supposed to be done. When your main guys are on the floor, you get a chance to rock and roll. You make it happen. The Celtics have not done that.
1: Why? I don't – but the drop-off is just purely mental then, though?
2: Because we saw I them – I think before. it's mostly mental. I, I really think it's mostly mental, Monica, because it's not as if these guys have not performed at this stage before. They did it they, – they literally did it a year ago. Exactly. And that, to me, that's that's the frustrating part about this team. If this team just didn't have the talent or or the, the experience of being in these, these moments, you took it off as a learning experience. You took it off as, as, as just – They're gonna get better. They're gonna learn from this moment. They're gonna be better going forward. But this is an absolute travesty, what we're saying. This is a team that has youth, they have experience, and they have a a killer in Kyrie. And right now, all of the above are not getting it done. And that, that is, is, is just inexcusable. I
1: am not a Celtics fan, but just having this conversation with you, I'm frustrated for the city of Boston. I can't imagine. So let's rein it back then because the other thing that the Celts had gone for them is that Brad Stevens essentially had been crowned the next great head coach, the next Greg Popovich. Yep. Does yep. this then now color the lens with which folks were once looking at him?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, in, in game four, you know, the, there, were, there were you know a few fans, not a lot, but a few, who chanted something that I, I thought we'd never hear, and that's fire Brad Stevens. Now, obviously, wow. that's not going to happen. Uh, Danny Ainge is not going to go there, but the fact that fans are so frustrated with this team to the point where they even go there, uh, something that they've never done before, because, I mean, he's had some bad losses in the past, but you always felt that he was building this team towards greatness. And this is the first year where where you look at what where, where he began the season with and you look at where they are, you feel as though they've taken a step back. And that, to me, is the disappointment with Brad Stevens. He has not figured out how to get the most out of what he has to work with. Because if he did, we wouldn't be talking about a three. We would be talking about the Celtics getting ready to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because, at, to me, from a talent standpoint, that's where they should be. I mean, you've got you've got Kyrie, you've got Gordon, you've got Al Horford, you've got young Town on the rise with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You know Terry Rogier, solid backup. You go, you start looking at this team. They've got seven, eight legit players that can impact the game, and yet here they are, down three-one, about to go home for the summer.
1: Has Brad lost the locker room?
2: I don't think Brad has lost the locker room as much as the locker room never gelled. I think enough this season to where it became an issue of him losing or, or gaining the locker room. Um, I think Kyrie is a very polarizing figure. I mean, you love the talent, the temperament. You could probably do it out. But you always look past that because you go back to the talent. But when that talent is not producing, which has been the case in this series, then everything that you kind of accepted that you didn't like, you don't want to accept anymore, and you don't like even less. And, and so I think it, it's been a very um, – Awkward song, awkward song and dance. I would say between in in that locker room right now. I mean, they they still like Kyrie as a person and they respect him as a player. But they know he's not getting it done, and I think he knows in his heart of hearts he's not getting it done. And this is not one of those things you can put this off on the young guys, which is something he's done a lot of, or you can blame experience, or you can you know do any of that stuff. This is on him. I mean, when you're missing open shots, that's on you. That that's not. The defense, that's not your teammates, not freeing you up, that is on you. And the fact that he hasn't really been all that open about his accountability for what he's not getting done, um, I, I think that bothers players a little bit. You know, after the last game, he said that, you know, he was he was um, it was brought to his attention how he struggled. And he was like 7 for 22. And his response was, I, I should have t- took more shots. And if I'm a teammate, I'm thinking like, bruh, you got 22 damn shots. How about, you know? That's a basketball
1: thing, though, Sherrod. Like, you also are like, you know, shooters got to shoot. You got to shoot out of it.
2: And I get that. And I get that. But also, at some point, you have to acknowledge that, okay, if I'm not shooting well, what else can I do to impact the game? And here's the thing I don't care how many shots Kyrie takes. He can take 30 for all I care. But do something that helps your team in an impactful way. And yes, he had like 10 assists or something like that. But here's the thing I would much rather you have fewer assists and do a better job defensively than have more assists. And to me, that has been – of all the issues that Kyrie, I think, has had in this series, his defense has taken a significant step back in this series. And he's never been an elite defender. We know that. But what we've seen in this series has been just pathetic. I mean, George Hill, he's making – I mean, the way George Hill is getting to the cup, you would think this is like Grant Hill, not George Hill. It it shouldn't be that easy. It should not be that easy for – George Hill, 33-year-old George Hill's birthday was like last week, I think, to get to the rim for such age. And and here's the thing. And I put a lot of that on Kyrie because when I looked at the numbers, they were worse than I thought. George Hill is shooting 70% from the field when Kyrie is guarding him. That should never happen. Nobody should be that red hot. Wow. (laughs) Buckets, boards, and blocks with me,
1: Monica McNutt, is one of four weekly shows from Pure Hoops Media. I'm here every Thursday with fresh takes on the world of basketball from my guests, my pops, and me. Each Friday, we have the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. BJ's takes will get your attention for sure. And even though some of them are out there, he usually turns out to be right, or at least close to right. On Monday, we have the Mike Wise Show with the legendary hoop journalist and master storyteller, Mike's guest, have been incredible, including Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, and active players like Jamal Crawford and Goran Dragic. Finally, on Wednesday, we present Catch and Shoot, my favorite part of the game, Catch and Shoot, with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov, two of the smartest hoop heads around. They know their stuff, they love to have fun, and they're always a great listen. Please check out all of our shows, rate, review, download, subscribe, and most of all, enjoy. Here's, here's my thing, though. I feel, I feel you that the Celtics are underperforming, largely led by Kyrie. But I also want to make sure, and I know this isn't your job, that the Bucks are getting their credit. Should both teams have been playing their best basketball, you still had it going to the Celtics and in how many games?
2: If both teams were playing their absolute best, this series would be tied up at 2-2 right now and i i I felt from the beginning that home court advantage would probably be the difference. I thought if both teams played their best, this would be a seven game series with game seven obviously being in Milwaukee and to me, I probably would have given the edge to the Bucks because of the fact that it was at home, but Celtics would not i didn't think would make it easy on them and Unfortunately, for Boston, they've made it very easy for Milwaukee. I mean the mm. idea that the Celtics are going to win one more game, let alone three in a row. Is just absolute fiction. Uh, I just don't see it happening. I, they have done absolutely nothing that would lead you to believe that. Uh, the third quarter has been, you know, kind of their, their doomsday quarter in this series. Uh, if you take the third quarter out of the last three games, the Celtics have actually outscored um, Milwaukee. I believe in all three games. But if to be, if you know a certain period of game is when you struggle the most, and you consistently do that. It's not so much about what those guys are doing. It's mental. It becomes a mental thing. You've already conditioned yourself, whether it's a conscious or subconscious thing, that we're not going to get it done in the third quarter because we don't get it done in the third quarter. Um, They got some issues. I mean, this team's got some issues. And and this offseason, it just can't get here quick enough for these guys. I think they just really figure out what they need to do going forward because clearly uh, this formula that they have with this group, it just doesn't work.
1: All right, so last Celtics question, and then I just want to pick your brain on the league and the Eastern Conference in general a little bit. This season, we heard a lot about the potential of Anthony Davis being traded, possibly messing with the Lakers. Was it overlooked as a factor that could have messed with the chemistry of the season?
2: No, no, I don't think so. Um, Because I remember when the Lakers' rumors first began kind of popping up, um I remember paying attention to what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were doing statistically and how the team was performing. And it it was there was no difference. I mean they were playing as good or better, uh, in light of those rumors. So I don't think the Anthony Davis stuff really messed with the chemistry too much. Uh more than anything else, it just gave us in sports media something else to talk about. Um Got it. And, and and with the Celtics having so much interest in Anthony Davis, even before he made his trade demand, um, it just only just heightened that. And and the Celtics, again, they are going to make a run at Anthony Davis this summer. There's no question about that. Um, That was one of the reasons why the Pelicans did not pull the trigger at the trade deadline, because they wanted to engage Boston in trade talks, knowing that Boston couldn't do anything uh, along those lines until this summer. Uh, And and so that is why, you know, the Anthony Davis stuff is, is, is going to certainly heat up this summer, but there's, you can't do Anthony Davis if you're Boston if you don't do Kyrie because there's no way that you can swing that deal. Um, and Anthony, uh, have any shot of keeping Davis if you don't have Kyrie. So there's a, there's, a sequence of, there's a sequential order of operations that the Celtics have to go through in order to make the kind of radical, significant upgrades that they want to do to their roster.
1: Mm. Okay. So technically, this will be my last C-directed question.
2: Is this Kyrie's last game? Your gut feeling, my gut feeling. If they go out in Game Five and get smashed, and Kyrie plays like crap, and and this is this is me going against the grain. I think he he's more likely to re-sign with Celtics, and here's why. One of the things about Kyrie that I've I've picked up on in his time in Boston is just his appreciation and understanding for history and, and legacy and things like that, and for him to basically play like crap in this series and then go join another team, that's going to be part of his legacy. He came to Boston. He couldn't get it done in Boston. So he left. And I just, I don't think Kyrie is built to embrace that reality. And, and whether he wants to pretend it's not there or not, it's, it's going to, it's impossible because that's going to be the narrative. If he goes to New York that he couldn't get it done in Boston. So he went to New York where it's just easier because Let's be honest. If you get to the second round of the playoffs, I mean, you might have a statue of Madison Square Garden put up for you right now if you get to the second round of the playoffs. In Boston, if you get to the second round of the playoffs, they're looking at you like, "What? what this season did not go well. What are you doing? And, and so I don't think Kyrie necessarily wants that part of his, to be honest, his legacy. And, and let's be real. You look at his role with the Celtics, you look at the way this team is built, you're going to have a chance to go deep into the playoffs for at least the next three, four years, based upon the way this team is built. And he knows that Danny Ainge is always big game hunting for big talent. And so if you're Kyrie Irving, you're probably not going to find a better situation in terms of winning. And then there's the elephant in the room that nobody really wants to talk about, but it's very real. If you go to another team, you're leaving about $80 million on the, the living room floor. No one really does that these days. And if you're Kyrie Irving, I'm not sure you're down to do that.
1: I that part definitely does not get discussed that much.
2: No, no. Because the Celtics are the Celtics can offer him a five year deal and no one else if he goes to another team he can only get four. Um and, and so Kyrie and I and I think even then Kyrie will probably do what a lot of superstars do these days and they sign like a multi-year deal but they have a player option after every year which is fine um but you want to have that security uh if you're Kyrie Irving because remember that he's he's had a few you know knee injuries through the years and although it wasn't an issue this year you got to believe in time that it's going to creep up again and it, it may limit uh how much he plays or potentially miss games So if you're Kyrie Irving, you've got to be really smart about this next contract and really protect yourself uh, from, you know, potentially having some type of injury that could impact your money going forward. So, man.
1: Okay, so now we open up the bigger picture, hopefully relieve some of the frustration that is clearly attached to the Celtics uniform during this playoffs. I know you've had a front row seat um, to Giannis, but whose performance over these playoffs has kind of stood out to you Um, And and impressed, whether it's out west or on the Eastern Conference side.
2: Two guys have have really kind of, I think, jumped to the forefront of just getting it done uh, in the playoffs. And and that's Kevin Durant out in Golden State. No surprise there. Um, He's been one of the best players uh, of this generation. Uh, And and certainly, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer whenever he decides to call it quits. And, And the other guy is Kawhi Leonard, the silent assassin. I mean, he has just been absolutely murder. Uh, in the playoffs. And and the thing about, you know, their last win, uh, it was the first game in this series with Toronto where he wasn't the leading scorer. And, and that, to me, if you're Philly, is a scary thing. Because if he's getting other guys stepping up and you know you can't guard him, that means your season is probably over sooner rather than later. Um, so those two guys have really jumped out at, at me in terms of their impact on winning, uh, the way they've dominated games when they're on the floor with a lot of other high-caliber talent. And bottom line, their teams are doing a good job of winning, so um those are the two guys that really kind of to me they they immediately come to mind when I think about playoff standouts this year
1: is is the joker in in on your radar
2: you know here's here's the thing about him and and he again i I love his game he's one of those guys that anyone who likes to shoot, wants to play with, because he's going to get you to rock. Um, he's not selfish at all. Uh, really the only true point center we have in the NBA. But the one thing about him, though, he's gotten better as this playoff series with Portland has going on. Because early on, I just thought he was just kind of cruising. He's one of those, he, to me, he's kind of like Giannis from the standpoint of, regardless of what you do to him defensively, he's going to get his numbers. He's going to be flirting with a triple-double pretty much every time he steps on the floor, no matter how you defend him. Um, and I didn't really see him kind of elevate his play, in my opinion, until their most recent win over Portland where he had like 25 points, and 19 boards, six dimes. That's, to me, when he really he, – that was his most memorable performance to date. That team, the way they're built, as much as important as he is, Jamal Murray seems to be the guy that yeah. really when they win, it's kind of like Jamal Murray stands out and he stands out in a big, big way. Um, and so th- that's one of the reasons why I- I'm a little bit hesitant to throw the Joker up into that, that top two, top three echelon category because there's another guy that he plays with that when his team is successful, that guy is usually the one that kind of really kind of fires up the troops, kind of ignites their success. Whereas when you, talk about, when you talk about Kevin Durant, you talk about – you know, Kawhi Leonard, they, they play with great players, but you, their games in particular are elevated. And when those games are elevated, their team's play is elevated. And, and with the Joker, I'm not 100% sold. That's necessarily the case.
1: Got it. That's a, that's a fair argument. I'm still curious to see if he really gets in NBA shape. I mean, I know he is like, he's a player, but I would be curious to see if he got on like the Kevin Love fitness plan, how, how that might elevate his game. But here's yeah. okay, here's the thing, Sharab. Uh, assuming you're accurate in your reporting, you've been with the team all year. Bucks, Raptors. What happens? Well, I assumed you got Raptors over Sixers.
0: Yes,
2: I have the Raptors over the Sixers. Um, I, I mean, I actually Toronto was the team I had coming out of the East altogether. Um, I, I just think that they have one guy that no one has been able to slow down. I, I'm. I've seen Giannis have off games, and I've seen teams do things defensively to kind of limit his impact, but I've yet to find any team or any individual that has been able to slow Kawhi Leonard down. It, and when you combine that with what he does defensively, I, I, just, don't, I just don't know how you, how you deal with something like that.
1: So you're taking Raptors over Bucks because Pascal Siakam is defending Giannis? Like, what are they going to do to Giannis?
2: Well, I, I think that what they can do, it's something that I think the Celtics have tried to do, but not as well as they obviously were hoping. And that is build a wall and have the ability to take away, you know, some of those, those straight-line drives that Giannis is so great at while still being able to get back out and defend on the perimeter. And because of, of Toronto's length with guys like, like Pascal, they have the ability to, I think, collapse to that paint, take away some of those drives, and still get out in time to contest shots on the perimeter. And that, to yeah. me, is the key with them. Uh, you have to have defensive versatility to both take away the paint. And you got a great defender around the basket in Gasol. And you got another guy you know, in Serge Ibaka who has the ability to defend the paint and can also come out and defend on the perimeter and is a good pick-and-roll defender as well. So I think Toronto is built better to beat a team like Milwaukee. Um, my only concern with Toronto was getting past Philly because I thought Philly would be – a really tough challenge for them because of Embiid, because of Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris. But if they're able to get past him, I, I don't see whether it was Boston, Milwaukee, it didn't matter. I, I just didn't see any team getting past Toronto in the finals.
1: Mm, got it. Well, you've certainly given us lots of numbers to think about. Okay, so here's how we finish up interviews here on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. And you can open this up to the NBA season if you'd like a, a, the whole thing, or you can stick with the seeds. I need a Bucket. That is a thing that was fantastic. A plus grade, A1 type of thing that happened. I need a board, something that maybe at first glance wasn't so positive, but it had some silver lining. A la a rebound. And then I need a block. Your block is your and I was trash to get that out of here thing that happened. So your bucket, board, and block for the calendar NBA season.
2: Okay. Bucket. Um I would probably say the the emergence of Nikola Jokic as an, an MVP candidate. I don't think anyone saw that coming, and he just, you know, he's been awesome. Um, board, give me the board one again. The
1: board is like your silver lining. Think like a rebound, right? Like it may
2: okay.
1: be fantastic, but it
2: had some good things to it. Silver lining, I would have to say the New York Knicks. Uh, they the, They had a horrible season, but they've got the potential to get the number one pick. They're in the running for at least one or two supermax type contract players. And they, despite their record, they look like a team that is is kind of positioning themselves to be on the rise. And so that, yeah, they would be my board. And my, let's see, what was the last one? The uh, block Lakers, Lakers, just an absolute joke in every sense of the word. Um, Not even as great as LeBron has been at elevating franchises and players around him. He couldn't even elevate you know, that, that Lakers franchise to get to the playoffs. And, yes, he missed a lot of games with injuries, but even still, you know, the talent around him, they just never stepped up to the level that LeBron tends to elevate players to. And then you got the whole sideshow with Magic Johnson and Genie Bus and, and all those guys. Uh, yeah, that's – yeah, get that out of here.
1: Quick thoughts on uh, the Magic
2: situation? You know – it's it's disappointing uh, because Magic, as, as we know, he's he's done so much, you know, not only on the court but off the court as a businessman. He success has followed him everywhere, but it was an absolute dumpster fire um, that that he dealt with and that frankly he, he created. Uh, you know, he, we're gonna point to the fact that he was able to c- convince LeBron James to come to L. A. and that's great, but that's pretty much the only thing of significance from a positive standpoint he was able to do in his tenure there. So it's disappointing, but it it really is the best thing for both him and I think that organization to kind of go their separate ways.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Man, oh man, what a year we have had. Well, Sherrod, thank you so much for your time, my friend. I hope hope that you're wrong because I love NBA basketball, but if it is the funeral tonight, um, I'm sure you'll be casket sharp, even though it's not for you.
2: Oh yeah, I'm just glad I'm. I'm. It's not my coffin; it's theirs. So we all we're good.
1: All right, Sherrod. Thank you, folks. Make sure you check out his work. NBC Sports Boston, killing it, covering the seas. Thanks, Sherrod.
2: Yep. Take care.
1: Hey, McNutt. Tell your pops to grab his whistle. It's time for the official review. Buckets, boards, and blocks rolls right along. Sherrod gave us some wonderful things too. Mull over as basketball fans. And now my dad's here, Kevin McNutt. Hey, Dad. Hey,
0: what's up? So, y- yes, you you yeah. know,
1: you are just too cool for school.
0: <laughs> oh, so too cool for school in that queue. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs>
1: right. so, my favorite yes, thing sir. that Sherrod delivered in his conversation, well, not favorite, something that stood out, was this uh-huh. idea that Kyrie may not leave Boston this summer should the Celtics lose to the Bucs on Wednesday night because mm-hmm. he's noticed that he's a guy that's big into legacy and history of the game and he wouldn't mm-hmm. want to leave with that being his lasting legacy. <laughs>
0: buy it? What do you think? Oh yeah, buy it for several reasons. One, Kyrie's an interesting bird. Um, uh, he's a real cool cat. He, he, he can elaborate. He can talk. He's heavy. He's a, he's a deep thinker. I mean, you remember it wasn't long ago he was saying the world was flat and um, stuff like that. So he, he's a, he's 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 a heavy dude. So if, if the reporter been in Boston, I'm sure he's had lengthy conversations with him. Uh, I would not be surprised. Uh, you know, everybody say he's gone, especially if they lose tonight, as bad as as bad a series he's had, and uh, you know that he's gone. Not so fast. Um, you never know what he's thinking. I mean just the fact that he turned around and said after a championship, I'm gone. I don't want to play with LeBron anymore. That, you know, to walk out on that one. Uh, and, and um, if he can do that, he can, he can surprise the, the basketball NBA world with saying, Hey, you know, I, I'm on a mission. Uh, we didn't get it done. Let's, let's do it again. So I That's, wouldn't be surprised.
1: He did definitely walk away after a championship.
0: Good point. Right, 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 right. And uh and then I mean, even with that, he turned around later and then uh you know called LeBron, I guess, during the season and said, Man, this this uh this this uh, you know ride riding shotgun with you was one thing. Now now driving the bus is a whole different thing. So,
1: so uh who knows where
0: Kyrie's gonna come from.
1: I think that would be my reason on why he's out, unless if if Danny Ainge some kind of way is able to get A D to come to Boston and the team looks different next year then I buy maybe he stays. But I don't think he wants to stay with that compilation of guys. But so we're not going to stay on Boston anymore on this particular podcast. We're going to open it up, Dad, to the playoffs as they stand. we got a few different teams sort of shocking the world. Most surprised by what team
0: so far, Dad? Shocking the world? Oh, my. Maybe
1: know. not shocking the
0: world, but you you get it. <laughs> you go Muhammad Ali on him. huh? Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, everybody... everybody Although they were the number two seed, everybody's saying, what in the world is going on over here at Denver? You know, nobody, including Barkley and the crew, saying, hey, you know, Portland's going to win, Portland's going to advance. They got Lillard and McCollum. And the, the Denver wins by 36 last night or 20. Or both games were blowouts, so I forgot what the total was. Uh, and they, so they're, they're one game away from the finals. Uh, so you got to look at Denver, I guess, would be the number one of the teams that are remaining. Um that would be one. And then two, uh, I saw it coming, but I guess a lot of people would be shocked about how Philadelphia has not competed in their series. Um, but I just think, you know, the, they, they, they were trying, Elton Brand got the GM job middle of the year, and then he tried to um, put together a fantasy roster, a fantasy roster and picking up guys, and they haven't had time to chemi- for the chemistry to mix. And, I, and Monica, I'm not, uh, I'm kind of enjoying that uh, Embiid is not producing here. Well, the fact that he's not producing, okay. but he's, you know, he's, he's healthy. Yeah, all, uh, he's got to popping off and laughing at the, the guy from the Nets with the elbow. And he's always on Twitter and instigating, saying he's in people's head and all that. So then the only knock on him was that he couldn't stay healthy. Here it is the playoffs when it's money time. And then he's missed two of the three games where well, he played, but, Missed one, played hobbled and hurt and ineffective in the other two. So, you know, you, you need to okay. grow up and these are your comeuppance, huh? Here's,
1: here's a question. And Alan Hahn posed this question to us today on MSG 150. If you are in the New York area and listening, please check it out. He said, if you could get rid of the four guys, you get rid of one of the four guys in Philly. You got Tobias, Jimmy, Ben, and Joel. You can only keep three. Who are you letting go?
0: Well, are we taking in what are we what are we what are we taking in, in consideration here? Are we taking in consideration contracts? I mean, are we Without just taking that. in consideration making a team work? Huh?
1: Let's say just building a team, contracts, money, not an issue.
0: Uh that's you. You, you, you don't move. You don't no. You don't move. Embiid. I mean, what well, you that's can't that's do. To say you move Embiid, but go ahead. Huh? You, Allen's you, point you, was
1: you move Embiid because no, he's from a no, front runner, and said no. it's not worth it. I said yeah. I, first, I said Simmons. Yep. It was, right, and then I'm like yep. second with Harris for
0: me. Yeah, uh, uh, Embiid stays because he's 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 gifted. When he's healthy and performing, I mean, he did average 28 during the season. Uh, and he and but not, even with the 28, if you look at his skill set, beautiful feet. I mean the best footwork for a center is a one. size. He's got it he does have a mean streak. He know he's not afraid to make contact. Um uh he can shoot, he's got a beautiful form, picture perfect form, so you know you talk about him shooting threes, that's not luck. As he gets older, he's gonna be an effective three point shooter. So you know you don't move a seven footer, three hundred pound guy with his soft feathery touch and, and, and the way he, his footwork inside. Um Simmons is a question. I'm watching Simmons and I'm saying, has he improved? Man, has he improved since he left high school in Florida? I guess he has. But he hasn't improved much since he's a rookie of the year. I mean he, he can't he still can't shoot. Um, you know, he goes up the air to pass. Uh, yeah, he's a tough cover but I I d I don't see it. I don't I don't you know, he may be the one you need to move because especially if you keep M B because he can only score inside, and where that you know that's where Embiid camps. Although, like you said, he can drift out and shoot a three. I'm almost moving yeah. Butler. Cause I'm not so sure. Butler has he are, has he been a teammate wherever he's been? I mean, it seems like chemistry's always oh. been an issue wherever he's been.
1: See, and we got to wrap this up. But my thing yep. is, Butler and Embiid are a, t- a tandem, and we've heard him talk to the playoffs about how he's going to ride Joel, and he wants him to carry the team. And I kind of think Joel is going to need like that Jimmy Butler fire veteran sort of, listen, dude, you can't be getting sick during the playoffs kind of conversation. And I think Butler may be able to kind of keep him straight now. narrow. But I agree with Simmons. If you give me a solid, true point guard that can shoot and create some space on the floor and leave the rest of the talent as is, then you're doing something. But uh, it's,
0: it's a tough one, right? It's a good question. Wow. Well, I'll listen to you. Break it down. Break it down. Right. You know, I'm right. <laughs> Yep. I was hoping you were going to say that.
1: Mm-hmm. All uh, All right. Well, that's going to do it for your time here on Bucket, Boards & Blocks, Dad. Love you.
0: Wow. That was quick. I know. You know.
1: Time is money. Time is money.
0: I'll catch you later, Dad. Okay.
1: All right. Let's go. Time to stick the landing. We're wrapping up this podcast. Thanks, folks, for rolling with me. This week, my bucket, board, and block little shameless self-promotion. Sorry, not sorry. My bucket is the launch of MSG 150, the nightly sports talk show that I'm a contributor on. We've had a blast getting into lots of NYX options up here in NYC. It's been fantastic. I hope you will take some time to check it out, Monday through Thursday, 8 to 1030. You can also watch on the MSG app. My block, or excuse me, I skipped one. My board. I'm going to go with... My board being the performance of the Portland Trail Blazers in game five. I'm gonna chalk it up to the altitude. As impressed as I've been with Denver, I just feel like it's Portland's year. Like, it's Portland's year. So I'm expecting Dame and CJ to lead the troops storming back to even up that series. And hopefully, ultimately, I'm still rolling with the Blazers to move on. My block, gotta be Joel Embiid and his illnesses? Like, dude, this is not the time to get sick. Get you some airborne, some emergency, whatever you got to do, do better. It's go time. This is what you get paid for. This is what the process was all about. Having said that, thanks to my guest this week, Sherrod Blakely and my dad. We had a great conversation about some what ifs in Philly. Sherrod Blakely of NBC Sports Boston dropped some knowledge from being close to the Celtics this year on what has been a frustrating ride, I imagine, for my producer, Bruce Bernstein, and other Celtics fans. Speaking of, thank you to my producer, Bruce Bernstein, my editor, Ben Wolfen. Please check out the other pods in the Pure Hoops Media Network. You got Catch and Shoot with Adam and Noah, the Pure Hoops Podcast with DJ and Eric, and the Mike Wise Show with Mike Wise. Until next week, folks, enjoy all your ball. We'll see you back here. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.